Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome to Shelf Stories, a channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. And welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast. I am your host, Jason. Thank you so much for stopping by for this latest chat with a good friend of mine. It is very rare that I get to chat with people from Connecticut. Yes, my home here, my adopted home, I should say, uh, <laughs> here in Connecticut. Uh, so I was able to make a, a con. I rarely make cons. <laughs> I have small children. It is pandemic land. I haven't been to many cons at all. But I was able to go to Fall Con, which is a local uh, convention here in Connecticut. Uh, and this man has been a veteran of Fall Con. We'll get into how many years you've been to. You've gone through Con Con and Fall Con, that whole uh, thing. But I had met this man over there and I gamed with him. I think he just collapsed. If you're watching the video, <laughs> he I think he fell over. I, I think my mount for the micro for the uh, webcam was not sturdy enough. <laughs> let's let's work on that. So a I sort of uh, rigged set, set. I Rube Goldberg something. How, how's that? Is that a little better? That's you're you're a little bit out of focus. <laughs> Just get your head in the middle of the camera over there. Uh, and I'm keeping this, by the way, for the podcast listeners. Thank I'm you. keeping it. I don't care. Uh, this this will tempt you to go ahead and chill and tune into the video show if you're not doing so already. Uh, but if you are not watching the video, you'll know uh, on the video, Eric is in his dungeon uh, with spikes that are headed towards his skull as we speak. Uh, but we will have uh, excellent audio here for you if you want to listen to the podcast. That's perfectly fine. Uh, so Eric Summerer is my guest. Welcome to the show. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for inviting me. And so the, the key is that uh, you need to start bringing the kids to the convention, which yes. is something that I did uh, a few years back. Uh, started bringing my eldest and then both of my boys uh, to the ConCon and FallCon conglomerate of conventions. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we've had a great time. They, I've sort of indoctrinated them into the process of teaching games and playing games in this event. And it's it's been quite the father-son weekend uh, awesome. for me. And, and it's really been a, a blast to continue it year after year. You'll probably know Eric Summers, dulcet tones from the Dice Tower, from all those introductions. He did the introduction to my podcast for many, many years. I really appreciate it for that. If people don't know, uh, I probably shouldn't assume, Eric Summer is one of the primary voices for the Dice Tower. He is a geek. He is a gamer. He is a retired curler, according to his bio. Yes. I, what does that... So, okay, retired curler. So curler is a ridiculous sport. That's like a Canadian thing. It's it's truly ridiculous. But what do you say? What do you mean retired curler? Were you paid professionally? To I curl? was not. No, but I haven't been on the ice in some time. And and that's really that's the key. When when my son was born, uh, there were only, and I think there still are only two curling clubs in the state of Connecticut. Two? And when <laughs> when I was curling, uh, it was. It was about an hour drive for me to get to. In fact, there was only one when I started curling. Mm. There was only one curling club in Connecticut. And uh, and it it just having an infant and driving an hour back and forth to a late night curling session was just a little much for me. I couldn't do it anymore. So I backed away. And the most recent thing I did is I took my kids to like a an open house and and got back on the ice for the first time in like a decade. <laughs> um, and I didn't fall on my butt. I think that is the most important thing. 
Um, curling. If you don't know what curling is, Google it, please. It is. Do you want to like give it break it down for the people? I know what that's not to do with board games, but curling is just. I, it's like a train wreck. I can't turn away. Well, it. I mean, train. No, that's not fair. Um, actually. <laughs> Curling is is one of the more board gamey uh, sports that are out there. It is very strategic in the way you position your shots and and deal with uh, um, with, with the situation on the ice. It is a, a a game played on ice, a sport played on ice, in which the players have to move a forty two pound granite stone across the ice. Uh, they deliver this stone and it slides down the ice, and you're aiming for a target, a circular target at the other end that's called the house. And um, you're trying to get as close to the center of the house as possible. That's called the button. And you have team members that actually reduce the friction in front of the stone um, using brooms. Uh, they sort of melt the pebble on the ice. The ice is an uneven surface. Uh, and they melt it slightly to cause the rock to go straighter and, um, and farther. Uh, and then the stone will sort of, it sort of rotates and it will curb its way around things. That's part of the curling aspect mm -hmm. of curling. Um, and you're trying to get more of your stones closer to the center than your opponents. Um, and that's how you score multiple points in a round or an end of, of the, uh, of the game. And it, it's, it's got a lot of strategy in where you position these things and, and I've had a blast doing it. Really, really enjoyed the sport. I would love to get back into it. And it's still a lot of fun to watch. So are you going to be unretired curler in the near future? You never know. You never, you know. never know. I would never say never. The, never the kids actually sort of said, I would love to do this if you decided to, to do it. But I also am, am fully immersed in other sports for the kids, mm -hmm. uh, including ninja and parkour. And oh, at nice. the moment that I have to focus on those. Mm, parkour is another one <laughs> yes we pick all the strange sports that's it um, I, I am totally kidding i'm not gonna i, I don't want to get no flame for calling anything ridiculous the float whatever floats your boat it sounds it looks like fun uh being on the ice i mean i'm a hockey person so like i mean being sure. uh, like on the ice is a very uh, actually a really cool experience so yes, you know, yes any excuse to get on there you bet all right so we are here to talk about falcon uh, which is a local convention here in Connecticut for those of us who are not able to go to Essen. So all of us <laughs> yes. in the board gaming universe have friends who have or are content creators or in the, like all the posts went up and all the board games were shown and all the famous designers and publishers and all the fun was being had. And we are in Waterbury, Connecticut. <laughs> yes, it's true. And, and I mean, it, it is important, uh, you know, there's all aspects of this hobby. And one of the aspects was all the brand new hotness yeah. in Germany, all the latest releases, the giant spectacles, all of that stuff. But sometimes the lifeblood of the hobby is just people getting together and sharing the games they love. And uh, for this particular convention, this has always been a not as much of a play new stuff event for mm -hmm. me. This is almost always a share some of my current favorites. Right. Um, or or even longtime favorites and and share that love of the hobby with other people who come to this. I tend to run multiple events at ConCon and FallCon. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I taught four different games over the course of the weekend. My son is now teaching games over the oh, course wow. of the weekend. Um, and, and so it's I don't think I played. I think I maybe played one or two games that were new to me. And everything else was stuff that I already knew, but mm -hmm. playing it with new people, which is also really, really fun. 
Yeah, no, I, I, so this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this, because I think that as we get, you know, hopefully come out of the pandemic for good this time, uh, we may have lost the thread on, you know, conventions and getting together and, you know, being there, you know, vaccinations were required and, you know, everybody was masked up and there was a lot of kind of safety protocols that were observed. And you know, I think, you know, it was a, it wasn't like jam packed, you know, so we're able to, if you wanted to kind of keep your distance and go outside and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of, that was done to be able to attend a con like this safely. And I think it's just so valuable. And I was just telling you before the call, like, I mean, I've been to PAX. That's the only other one I've been to. And that's not a gaming con for me. Like, it's just, it's a meeting people con. And it's a, uh, you know, again, seeing what's hot and seeing who's doing what. And I, and I think last PAX, I played like three halves of games. You know, <laughs> like either because of demo or because I'm here and I'm I'm like kind of like zonked out. I felt really bad. Like uh, my friend Will, the hungry gamer, was like doing a game of substraddle or something, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna learn. It's gonna play this. And then like half, maybe like ten minutes into like the teaching portion, I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> my brain is completely fried. So it was nice to go to FallCon, and just it's just games, and it's yeah. not like you know the buzz of like all this stuff. It, it is games that kind of I, I would I would think of it like you know games that kind of rise to the top like you know cream cream rises you know sure. these are games that are like six months in or maybe they're a couple of years in and it's like okay people are still excited to play a lot of this stuff yeah I mean certainly the the new releases uh you know get get some attention but they can't be too new because uh we've sort of been planning for the past couple months to make it happen right. so the brand new stuff unless someone brought their new copy, uh, a Flamecraft or something, you know, that I saw a couple of copies of that floating around and I had mm -hmm. comic hunters in my bag. Um, but that wasn't, it was more stuff that's been out long enough that right. people could say, oh, this was the event that, you know, we, we are going to schedule a game of, of such and such and, uh, and play it there. Um, so the, yeah, the, again, not brand new cult of the new, it was, mm -hmm. it was the, the evergreen titles. And you're, there's also ones that, um, this is the only chance you get to play a large scale game of, of something or, right. or old favorites that managed to hit the table every con con or fall con. Um, so and, and some of my favorites were those. You can guarantee Scythe. You can guarantee TI4. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even if it's not. And um, so they have a sign up system. So if you've never been to like these kind of local cons and I'm not sure every con does this, but I would totally recommend it. So there are slots. Right. So like you have your three slots on Friday, start at nine, start at 8 a.m., start at 12 p.m., start at seven. And so you sign up ahead of time. And so you're guaranteed something, you know, you don't have that awkwardness of like, okay, I'm going to show up and, oh, am I going to get a table? Am I going to do that? Like you can do that. You can go to a free player and, you know, kind of find something. But it's nice to be able to go and know that you have certain things just like I'm here and I'm going to do this. There's yeah. no like, you know, messing with anything. And, and that's due to, you know, people who volunteer like yourself who offer such slots. Uh, so I highly recommend uh, that experience. Uh, how long have you been going? Like, because I remember I went to, I went to ConCon six years ago and not for, not for um, RPGs, for um, uh, role-playing games. And whose dulcet tones did I hear? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's gotta be, it, it, it's certainly longer than I've had kids. So um, wow. it's gotta be 15, 16 years. Oh I, I've been going for a long time and I started just uh, going for a day, um, but this is a, a currently a three-day convention, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They expanded into Friday morning this particular year. Usually it starts midday on Friday. Nice. Um, Were people there? 
Uh, I heard that a few people were there for the slot. I was not able to go until the kids got out of school that right, Friday. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, so as soon as they got out, we hopped in the car and headed out. We, we arrived around dinner time on Friday, uh, enough time to eat dinner and get settled and then uh, run, run the evening slot on Friday evening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I heard that a few people did show up. Some people uh, come in Thursday night and, and get together and play some games in the hotel lobby that sort of thing. It's still a pretty low key event uh, as far as, you know, being packed with stuff, but it's a, it's a very enthusiastic group. So we're going to talk about the games that we played. I asked Eric to rank the top four games. Maybe it's the top four games that you, that you, um, that you taught or anything like that. I don't know if you, just, uh, he just thought of it right away. It's like, okay, let me go <laughs> think of four games. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, but before we get that, I, I, I have one last thing to mention about Falcon, which is the experience of selling games. So I see this, um, post a lot on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, how do I move my old games on and everything? So actually, we've had a couple of uh, upsetness. There was a little bit of a, a time where BGG wasn't, you weren't allowed to sell your games at BGG. Now I think they've relaunched the market. But for a while, people people were a little bit worried about Board Game Co. used to take your old games, but he kind of shut that down. So Facebook, mm, people have a mixed relationship with Facebook. Not everybody's on Facebook in terms of like trading and selling games. So if you want to try to move on your your games uh, a local convention is a pretty good place it's know? certainly my favorite way to do it the the no ship auction yes. that that centers around a convention this is usually handled via a geek list on board game geek uh, and people will put up their games uh you know here's here's the game here's its condition here's a starting bid and then people play post comments on that geek list item uh to to bid for the item um, and, and people seem to have different focuses for what they put up in these auctions. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are trying to get as close to the original sell price or the purchase price as possible or the current market rate. Um, I tend to be trying to clear stuff out as right. much as possible. So and, and you know, in, in the position that I'm in as a reviewer, um, when I've reviewed something and talked about it in, in whatever form I'm going to talk about it and um, and I've decided not to keep it in my collection. I don't feel right charging a lot for these games. And so almost everything, in fact, everything that I received as a review copy goes up for a dollar, regardless of what its market rate is. And then sometimes people will bid it up. But most of the games I got rid of were selling for one or two, maybe five dollars a piece. And, you know, somebody would pay me eighteen dollars and walk away with 12 games. Those were very happy people, and I like making those people happy. And it yeah. also just clears some space for me to be able to to um, start looking at new stuff. And, and you have brought room about for I don't know four bags of games somewhere around there. It was, a, it was a mighty collection over there. It was four or five full. You know those IKEA bags, the yeah. the large blue ones. Um, I had two full of actually three of those full plus some extra, and I walked back with only two new games that did I had you, bought in the auction. Did you find? all your all your buyers i did <laughs> it's i mean you you try and coordinate as best you can you know you right. exchange phone numbers and and you make plans there were some people that i knew i wasn't going to connect with them until the last day the sunday uh so i wasn't worried but i did manage to track everybody down and and some people are very particular like i will be in the lobby between 10 and 12 on saturday and others are like eh, i'll find you Mm-hmm. And it all works out. I think I've over the years of selling games, I think I had one no show, like one person I could not connect with no matter how much I tried. And I think they left and they're like, oh, sorry. And right. it was like a three dollar game. And so I just sold it the next time. Mm-hmm. So pro tip, uh, Eric knows this. 
Uh, so I, I ended up selling about nine to 10 games and I, I was very happy about that. Um, do not tell me that I am the white guy with a shirt that has this on it because <laughs> there's a lot of white guys at the, the convention. That's just the way, that's just reality, right? Uh, I, I'll be able to say like, I'm the, I'm the big Puerto Rican dude. So like, oh, okay, big Puerto Rican dude. <laughs> that's that's easy to see. Uh, but do not, t- do, especially do not tell me what you're, what's on your shirt because what ends up happening is that I end up staring at everybody's shirt. And everybody's <laughs> that's true. You were very embarrassed about this. I was, I, cause I wanted to sell my game. I, <laughs> that's, I that's, hear you. That was lunch money. <laughs> I was hungry. So I was like, I knew I needed that cash to go get my taco. So I was like, I'm looking at all these people. I'm peering in, watching. <laughs> like, do you yeah. have that type of shirt? Do you, please, if you are trying to link up, phone number is fine or like a specific, you know, more d- descriptive thing. I don't need to know what's on your shirt because uh, I'm sorry. That's whatever. <laughs> you need to wear a distinctive plume in your hat. Something, something. yes. <laughs> I'm wearing a boutonniere. Absolutely. Okay. So that, but uh, just to put it out to, to the peoples, that is a nice place to sell and to buy games. If yes. you, if you are somebody who is looking to round out your collection, someone like Eric, you know, especially if someone like Eric, who's a reviewer, and I also sold some of my review copies again, you know, low bids and here you go, yeah. five bucks and everything like that. Uh, so that's a nice place to kind of get some good pickups. It really is. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the actual games that we, that we played at the table or taught or, or however it is. And so. Was there a miss? Was there a game? Because that happens at cons too. Like it, you, you get there and you're excited and the table experience for whatever reason is just, ooh, boy. So do you have one of those experiences? I, I got, mean, yeah. you you sort of mentioned it as, as being enthusiastic about the play. I don't think I was ever enthusiastic about it, but my kids drew me in. Uh, and their friends, uh, my my college buddy was there with his two kids, and they were very excited to play a game called Unstable Unicorns. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Um, which is from the folks who made Exploding Kittens. It's that same design studio. Um, I knew of this game, but I hadn't really ever tried to seek it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, enthusiastic kids, you want to support their their favorite games as well. And so I, I sat down and played around um, I don't know if you've experienced this game, Jason. I bought this game for my daughter and, and for us, the two of us to play. Okay. They, okay. I, I, I bought the kids version. So specifically the kids version and it just womp womp. No, it, it, it wasn't, the, it wasn't her. Although my daughter has gotten to the point because I've, I've, I've gotten many, many games. She's at this point, tried 20, 25 games. It is coconuts. That's mm. what we play. If my daughter were to go to a con, we would take coconuts and we would play coconuts. That is a good choice. I'll suggest that next time they do like a kids and families area. Uh, oh, that would be a good one. Adores that game. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. It's a, um, if, if people don't know what coconuts is, it's a kid's game. Uh, you have these little uh, monkeys and they're spring loaded so that you can, that you can put the little rubber coconut in their hands and they just, you toss them into a row of cups. That's all you're doing. It's, it's yep. just, you're just like, you know, flicking the coconut into the cup. She loves it. She loves the magic spell. She loves to cover my eyes and like ruin my shot. And, <laughs> and, and you know, cause my daughter, like she doesn't, I, I, I wonder if she's going to get into the kind of games that I'm going to get into because she doesn't do like, like reading cards. And like, I, I've, I've tried to kind of get into a little bit of that. Like, you know, Marvel United just like, I felt super flat, uh, a bunch of other stuff, but like the dexterity, rampage and and the coconut that's the stuff that she gets into so hopefully that translates at some point well unstable unicorns was it was a lot of take that and it it has a card called the nay card 
like a horse. Nay. Nay. Um, that is the cancel a card. It, and it's any card. Mm -hmm. uh, this this type of card in the deck. And the, the goal is to get seven unicorns in front of you. And, and most of the time you're playing them out and you're playing cards that steal unicorns and take cards from opponents' hands and stuff. But there are these nay cards that basically negate the play of other cards. And the kids I was playing with knew which cards were the <laughs> most dangerous. There were some that, like, if you have this in front of you, you are in position to win the game. Or if you have it in front of you, you will not win. There's one that reduces the size of your stable to five. And so you can't win with seven if you can only have five cards in front of you. Um, and so they knew when to play those nay cards and when it wasn't as much of a big deal to do mm -hmm. so. Uh, and so they, as soon as I put down a card that was going to help me, it just got nayed. And <laughs> it just, at some point, at, and at some point I, I wasn't like, I was mm -hmm. holding on to my nay for like a crucial moment. And I didn't get one of those moments that it was a really important mm -hmm. card and I could have nayed it. And I didn't, there are some nay cards that can't be nayed themselves. Cause you can nay a nay and you know. <laughs> I I, I'm fine. I'm, I don't need to play it anymore. I, I understand <laughs> that this is a, this fills a niche. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you're a bad person. If you like this game, <laughs> if you're enjoying it, that's great. This is not my style of game. So no, that would no. be my miss is unstable unicorns. Completely and utterly. <laughs> it's not, not my cup of tea. Yes. Uh, so I was only there one day. Um, so I played five games that day. Oh, it was glorious. I had three okay. slots and then two games in between the slots and Sweet. all five games were good. And so I'll, I'll talk about them as uh, we go on. I will say my one miss and it ended up having a, a being a good story, but I just wanted to kind of put it out there that. So my last game of the day, after a long day of gaming and having not, I don't have my stamina yet. Uh, I signed up for Arc Nova and I'd never okay. played it. And the entire, and the, the, the teach took about 45 minutes. And because the person was like trying to like, okay, this and then this and then this, and remember this. And, then, and so like, I was sitting there and I was, I was looking at the exits. I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> I, I, I'm a father of two, <laughs> two young children. I'm, I'm, my brain is melting. Uh, so a, a flag for people, you know, the buffet effect. It's like, you know, you get the, you, you put stuff on the buffet, make sure you can eat the whole meal. So <laughs> thankfully there's a happier ending. I'll talk about it later, but just wanted to kind of give a flag for people that that was not, <laughs> I, okay. was feeling, I was feeling the pain at that point. Uh, okay. So you, you, you taught a lot of games. You played many games. Uh, so give me your fourth. Number right. four. Number four. It is a lovely light filler weight game uh, of dice. And this is from Dr. Reiner Knizia. It's called Escape. 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 It is a, a die rolling push your luck game. Uh, every player has two dice and they're special dice. They they one of them has a seven pip side and one has a six pip side. Uh, and each of them has an X on one of their sides. And you start by rolling your dice um, and you can continue rolling as long as you don't roll an X. If you roll an X on your first roll, no biggie. That That's just a zero. So if I rolled a two and an X, that's a 20. That's you good. put the highest number first. But if I can keep rolling and maybe I get a four and a six and now that's 64, mm -hmm. that's not too bad. I might decide to stop. And so then I put those two dice as 64 on this little ladder with spaces for five, four, three, two, one, and zero. And so I place that there. And if those dice, so let's say I put it on the three. If it gets back to my turn and my dice are still there, 
I go three spaces along the track and the goal is to move 21 spaces. Great. Um, but somebody else, if they have a higher number and they place below me on the track, they bump mm. my dice off. So they will get their, their position to earn only two points, but they knocked my three points off. Mm. Um, and so you're, you know, is this number going to last a turn? I don't think so. So I have to keep rolling. But if you roll an X, you bust and you move backwards on the track. If you roll doubles with double ones, double twos or double threes, you get one, two or three spaces immediately. So there's always a possibility of a big surge and mm -hmm. coming back. Uh, and if somebody rolls double X's on the first roll, that beats everything. You get to place it on the board and wipe every other pair of dice off the board and, and just be king of the hill for a while it feels like evolved can't stop it it's it's similar in feel uh, right. a little more interactive than can't stop um okay. but i like them both i think they're both excellent push your luck games and xscape deserves a reprint i'm hearing that there's like an italian version coming uh on the horizon uh so it'll be nice to see that available again it's been out of print for a while but i really enjoyed had a, a big epic game where like three or four players were were gunning for the lead and kept bumping each other off because it's like, well, one person's in position. If they if it gets back around to them, they're going to win. So players with really strong roles would place for zero or only one point to knock off the one who was going to win when it got back to them. And it, it just was a lot of jockeying at the very end. And somebody won with a, a doubles just to take those extra two spaces to win the game. It was a blast. Really fun. Escape. Xscape. There you go. Uh, so my number four is the game that you taught. Uh, this was eight. This was at eight o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. I, I I live about 20, 25 minutes away from the area. So like getting up at seven thirty for a weekend was a sacrifice. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, I was very excited to try Transformers, the card game, uh, the Transformers, the deck building game. And so this is the one-stop co-op shop. So finally, we're going to go into a, a, a game that has uh, cooperative elements to it. But I, I did not play the cooperative version. I played the team versus team version that is enabled by the expansion, yes. uh, which was taught by Eric. So we were two Autobots versus two Decepticons. Uh, it is a deck builder. But the twist here is that the deck, it, it, it isn't like a standard market. It's what they call, it's on a, what they call a matrix. So the board, quote unquote, is cards, face down cards. And you're running around with your Autobot and you're, you're, we play team versus team and you're uncovering cards and you have to do stuff in order to acquire the card, you either defeat it or buy it you know, with, with your resource or whatever it is. But that's kind of how you build your deck is to acquire cards off of this central matrix. Uh, so that was, you know, got it. And then we got into the interactions and the combats and I'm not explaining them. <laughs> <laughs> That and I am not running that down on a, on a spoken word podcast. Sure, uh, but it was, it was a little crunchy. I'll say that, and I think that's kind of the conclusion we came to the table. Uh, it was, it, it, there were a lot of steps. So it's like you got to reveal a card, and you got to check the bottom or the top of the card, and you have to check your resource, and you have to, you have a phase where everyone can assist, and then you're adding up numbers, and then there's a, a phase we can bring back in your own powers. You could spend energon in order to kind of adjust. There's so there was a lot of like the game, like we were flowing along, acquiring our cards, interacting, doing the things, and then a combat would occur which is when you encounter your opposite faction in a card generally, and then play would just, yeah. And we would be like, okay, I was sure. Da, 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 da. So then, so I liked the game. I did like the game and I'd be curious to see how it played cooperatively because I'm a, that's what, that's my um, jam is the cooperative versions of it. 
but that was a little bit much for me. Well, I think part of what, what slows it down is that you can, if you're the Decepticon players and the Autobots are trying to take down a Decepticon boss, the Decepticons can defend that Decepticon boss by playing cards on their turn. Uh, and that that element does add a good amount of slowdown to the whole process. And if you're playing cooperatively, that isn't part of it. All you're doing is trying to survive three of the opposing team's bosses um, before the, you run out of time or somebody gets damaged, too damaged to continue. Um, whereas with the team versus team, you're trying to collect points and you have to basically make your way all the way to the end of the game and count up uh, points at the end. So, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's uh, it, it slows down a little bit in team versus team. I did like it. I, I am curious to try the different modes and everything. I know it's like built as a competitive game, which the competitive doesn't really interest me that much in terms of like racing for cards and such. But um, it, but I, I can definitely give it like a little asterisk. I, I did put, you know, <laughs> recommend. Uh, so that's Transformers deck building game, uh, my number four. All right, Eric, tell me about your number three game at Falcon. So it's funny you mentioned uh, Transformers as your number four, because my number three is another one of the Hasbro deck building mm. games from uh, Renegade. This is the G.I. Joe deck building game. So they have G.I. Joe, Transformers, Power Rangers, and My Little Pony. They the do. They do. And, and is that all of them? All of them are there, are there at more? this point. Uh, as far as I know, those are the four. Okay. Um, then, and I have now played all of them. And, and, uh, and I have varying opinions. They're all very different games. This is a misconception. Some people think that they're all just reskins of the same system, sort of like mm -hmm. the Cryptozoic Cerberus system. Right. That's not the case. These are four quite different games. Or like um, Love Letter, where it's like, you know, uh, Thanos Love Letter and Batman. Right. Like there's a different zero card for each of the Love Letters, but no, they're pretty much the same game. Uh, not true here. Uh, so the different Hasbro deck builders are are very different, and the GI Joe deck building game is strictly a cooperative experience. Mm. You're you are playing as uh, the Joes, and you are trying to take down Cobra's evil plot. It's actually a plot. There's like a series of um, of plot cards. There's three acts to the adventure. Uh, there's some random encounters that you have to deal with, but then there's some like act break. Uh, important cards that you always have to do when you're playing that particular sequence. Um, you're you're building your deck like many deck builders, but whenever you purchase a card, it goes on the top of your deck, so you're immediately getting that next card on your next play. So you can do some, some immediate tactical plays, like I know I'm going to need a card for our next encounter. I'm going to put it in my deck right now. Um, and then there's this concept of missions that you go on to try and uh, take down Cobra's plots. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're going to have to use vehicles. There's vehicles you can, you start with one basic one, but you can draft new ones that go in your hangar that anybody can use. Um, and that can hold a certain number of Joe characters. And so I can contribute two Joes to this mission, but we can go around the table and everybody else can contribute Joes to the mission. It feels very collaborative. Mm. Um and then you're going to roll dice based on what the expertise of the Joes and what the, the mission is doing. There's hidden complications that come into play. There's suddenly, you know, you get a card that says put Destro into play and you have to search through the deck and find Destro. And now he's a problem you have to deal mm. with. Destro's a jerk, too. We don't like it. <laughs> Um, actually who, who really got us was major blood. Who's the mm. character who, uh, just constantly was locking down a bunch of our cards and he came back. We took him out twice and he came back a third time. He just, couldn't kill him um and we were doing great i think we were managing really well in the first two acts but the third act we just got slammed mm. but i feel like it the mark of a good 
cooperative game is that it still sort of haunts you when you're done. Like, what yeah. could we have done differently? And it wasn't like we had no chance. There was nothing we could have done. Uh, and and I never want to play that again. That's not the case with G.I. Joe. It's like, well, maybe if we had focused more on Major Blood the third time he showed up, or if we had taken out the Baroness when she first showed up instead of waiting a couple of turns, it it's really kind of cool how how it all comes together. And uh, I think a really rewarding experience when you manage to work together to solve the problem. Um, so so now we know. Mm-hmm. And no one's <laughs> G.I. Joe. The G.I. Joe deck building game. I'm really enjoying it and want to play it some more. A real American hero. G.I. Joe was there. Anybody under 35 is not going to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I, I went on um, uh, Jesse Quackalope's, uh, uh his YouTube channel. I helped him preview Masters of the Universe, the game mm. of Simon. Okay. And they did not know the original song. So, of course, <laughs> I had to go do a whole rendition. They know all the remixes and the Michael Bay. Nah, nah, come on, man. You got to go back. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so, I mean, I'm actually really, um, like, it's it's unfortunate that they, that they came out so close together because it, it that, that adds to the impression that they're like the same game. What you described is not what I described. No, very right. quite different. And I, I do think that as a cooperative experience, I like G.I. Joe better than Transformers. Mm. Which but is a shame, the theme, I, like the I always like Transformers better. Yeah, I like Transformers better. I'm, I'm sad about that, but <laughs> it is what it is. All right, so my number three, speaking of a game that is haunting, or haunted, haunted I, actually, I was, I was haunted by this game. Uh, and it's a game I've not played in about three years, Wingspan. So mm. Wingspan was not my first choice for games that I was going to play. I mean, it, you, you've played it, you know, like I played it when it was hot and I reviewed it and all this stuff. It's like, okay. Um, and then, so I, I let it drop off, but then it's like, okay, I know this game. I know I'm not going to need a whole rules teach. Um, let me get back into Wingspan. Uh, and it was in the context of my, because people ask about it. They still ask about it to this day. They talk about it online and they like, what's the hype? Or like, you know, I played Wingspan and it's not that good. It doesn't live up to the hype. and like, you know, so there's the, the, the hype and then the backlash and the backlash and the backlash. So like Wingspan is involved in that conversation. Is sure. it as good as people say or whatever it is? And is it worth, you know, all those awards that it got and whatever? And it was nice to be able to kind of get past all that, sit back down after a couple of years and play it again. Game is good. It's it's, it's a good. solid game. It's just a good game. Yeah. Like a, it's like a really good game. I wouldn't say like obviously it's not great. Like I, I'm a race for the galaxy fan. I think race for the galaxy for what it does is better. Like in terms of that engine building card based. I, mean, I just think races like there's a lot more pop for me. But the satisfaction of building a little engine and then hey, you have that last round and you press the button in your engine. And you get generate all those eggs and you 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 draw cards and you know you have your tuck your card, you get this and use this to get this. Like setting that up is cool. And to what and to your point, like looking back and being like, oh, if I'd have done that instead of this, if I had, you know, put this bird in and not you know wasted time on that bird, I ended up with like a whole bunch of extra food. It's like I didn't need all that food. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could, you know, that food's a tiebreaker. What do you need food? That that's nothing. I could have done something else and not and not filled that up and not press that button too often. And so I, I went back and I play, I have the iOS app. So I'm like, I'm gonna be bang out a couple of iOS games of this. And I'm like, wow, this game is really good. It's back in my rotation. So just so I mean, articulating about the the hype and all the, the discussion about it, getting down, distilling it to its, its basic essence. Wingspan is a is a freaking good game. 
And Wingspan Asia is coming out, the one to two player version. Uh, yes. So like a little dueling version is coming out soon. So we are getting more and more Wingspan. So I'm, I'm in, back in. Excellent. Excellent. I've been playing on uh, Board Game Arena. It, mm. it recently hit that platform as well. And uh, I think I've been playing a lot more than I ever played in person. Right. Uh, I think I've I've owned the game for some time, and I don't think I've actually played my physical copy. I've always played somebody <laughs> else's, um, but it's it's one that I'm sure my wife would enjoy it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a blast. It's such a it's a well crafted game for sure. Right. So Wingspan is my number three. So number two, number two, number two is a I guess it's not that old. Um, when did Return to Dark Tower come out? I think it finally released. Last year. In the last, yeah, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It feels somewhat new because uh, there's a new Kickstarter for the next expansion coming mm-hmm. out. Uh, but Return to Dark Tower is the the resurgence of the classic 80s game from Restoration Games. It uses Have you played the 80s version? Only once. My mm-hmm. cousin had it. Um, I was too young for it in its initial release, uh, but my older cousin had it. I always looked up to him, and one day we finally convinced him, can we please play Dark Tower? I would always see it in his <laughs> closet. I'm like, can we play it? No, you're too young. Can right. we play it? No, you're too young. And one night, he's like, fine, we're going to play it. And I I remember it being really complicated, and it had this huge whirring tower, and it was super cool. The new version is also super cool. That yes. the tower is unbelievably impressive. It lights up. It makes sounds. It glows. Um, it rotates. You drop skulls into the tower to end your turn, and it all uses this app. Uh, it's also another cooperative game, uh, and it really feels like an epic adventure. Mm-hmm. You're you're making your characters stronger. You're dealing with the threats. It has a sort of pandemic-y aspect of, you know, there's corruption attacking the land. There's bad guys. You have to deal with the immediate threats, but there's also an overarching goal you're trying to complete. And so you have to really split your resources and your forces and who is best able to handle this crisis, who is best able to go secure this assistant that that will really help us. But we have to get there before the end of the month, which is going to happen somewhere between seven and nine turns uh, into the month. (laughs) It's uh, I love the way the combat works. It feels like the Price is Right game Punch a Bunch, where you get this array of cards and you just select them on the app. Pick three cards. Okay, I'm going to pick this one and then this one and then this one. And and then they get revealed. And you have to deal with the consequences and, and spend your advantages to try and reduce mm. those consequences. It really, I love the combat system in this game. Uh, it all just comes together in such an exciting package. Um, and I, I taught this one. It was an early morning slot. Um, and the the teams, I could see the team working together most of the time. But ultimately, you know, when one player would go go off and do their own thing and wasn't necessarily considering the good of the many um, and got themselves into a hole, got, you know, entered a, a fight that they just weren't ready for and and got a little bit too much corruption. And then some huge event happened and they had to take too much more corruption mm-hmm. and that wiped them all out. But it's such an epic experience. Uh, I need to play this more often. And it was nice to be able to bring the set out. Uh, I have the play mat. So I got to set up the play mat and, and play with the minis um, and, and really have some tremendous table presence for Return mm-hmm. to Dark Tower. Return to Dark Tower. I played it once. I want to play it more. Uh, it is because I, I, I remember the original version I, and I played a lot of those. Like I played Atmosphere Nightmare, mm. uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the the game where you kind of go around the board, you had a VHS tape with the, the ghoul, yeah. ghoul. Yes. <laughs> or whatever that dude was called. 
Uh, the Crypt Keeper. No, not the Crypt Keeper. The, <laughs> the Crypt Keeper is the guy in HBO. The Gatekeeper. Um, the Gatekeeper is right. Something like that. Um, and Into the Hole. I remember that. Uh, and I, I just remember those that that um, that nostalgia, right? And so yeah. not, not that I want to go back there. Like the original Dark Tower game was not a great game, uh, but it was cool for its time and it was a good experience. And so having this new version where they managed to take the soul of it, which I guess is Restoration's deal, right? They take they they sure. find the soul of the old game yeah. and they give it to they give it the new shine. I oh my god, uh, like you said before, it does feel like a, a kind of a big honky adventure. Uh, the tower is useful. Because it, you know, it it is it is the thing you need to distribute the skulls, and it is basically a, a an electronic cube tower. Yeah, right? and that's really what it is. But uh, so, did you need a big, expensive spinning contraption in order to just like plunk some skulls in there and it, it for it to flow out? The answer is yes. Yes. Well, it's more than just a cube tower, too. It's I mean, not only does it do that, but it also reveals glyphs. There's there's mm. penalties if certain things are facing you. Uh, and it, yeah, it, it's it's much more than just a distribution mechanism. Right. It it randomizes lots of other stuff, too. And you hear like we get it every time in the one stop co-op shop, the comments like we will we will feature a game like this. And every time it'll be like, it's an app not doing it, you know, or, or whatever it is. And it's like, I, you know, I, it, it, it's it's honestly people who have that loss aversion. They fear that their hobby is going to change and that all games are going to be like this and we're losing something. It's like, there's like, I can see that fear kind of happening maybe five, six years ago when like, oh, we're going to explore apps. But I think we settled in, like there's only going to be a couple of releases a year that get an app and right. they're going to be dope. I don't understand like the continued years long Version well, it's it's back when you know a few years ago when the first legacy games showed up and there was just as much grumbling. Oh, great! So all of our games are going to be these legacy games that are right. all consumables and and you know that they're all going to be like that. And I don't want that part of my hobby. But how many legacy games do we really have? They're they're one difficult to design and and two, there aren't that many. There's plenty of other traditional games out there that are non-legacy right. games. It's fine. You're right. fine. And a lot of legacy games end up with removable stickers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's where that's what that's where the push came from. So it's like the pandemic games. Have you played all three of them? The, have you gone through? Uh, I am ones? just starting season zero. I'm mm. trying to get my my family said yes. We want to play more, and then we have not played more. I uh, completely. I, I we we banged it out. Well, it it came out or it came out right as the pandemic hit, so we had to delay a year. But as soon as like you know the vaccine came out, like the vaccine was like okay, vaccine boom, <laughs> pandemic zero. Yep. Uh, and so that was the only one where the stickers like mattered to the story and it was a truly disposable game. Like you couldn't like, you know, pass yeah. it on to somebody else. Or, like, and I really felt like that's to me, that's the height of legacy is like that expanded, more immersive, more attractive story. I think other legacy games, they they kept the stickers, but it didn't really integrate that sense of, you know, heightened story. It's like, OK, I have a cooler character or mm -hmm. I have this toy that I played with. And, yeah. you know, so so all that to your point, like, OK, all the, you know, the, the the catastrophizing about like, where is our hobby going, you know, with apps and with legacy and these all these. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. the gravity of the hobby is still like the, um, you know, it's still the whatever it is, like 20, 30, 40 dollar game. Uh, and I'm going to get to one. Uh, right. I write it uh, at the end. Uh, but uh, so. actually, OK, so let me talk about the big honking game. Speaking okay. of like trends in the hobby, right? So my number two is Ark Nova. 
Uh, so I I survived that teach. Good. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I mean, I, we reviewed Ark Nova here on the channel. We have some playthroughs on the on our uh, channel for like different solo modes and everything. Uh, if you don't know what it is, it's a giant honking. Oh my god, I can't even like it, it's a mishmash of mechanism, giant Euro game. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a card game. So you have a giant deck of 200 some odd zoo cards. And through Euro things, you're building your zoo. Through Euro things. <laughs> do, 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 do Euro things. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> you have a zoo. You you have a board that has like, you know, the, the polyominoes. You got to fit it together in a zoo. You got your workers and you're placing your workers and you have your card drafting. You have all these things. But do, 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 do you're building a zoo. And what I appreciated, and I think like if it wasn't this way, I probably would have begged out because I was really hurting. But I had played Terraforming Mars before. I could see having played Terraforming Mars, it's not the same game, but like looking what what to look for, how to how to coordinate tags and putting yeah. together the tags and having that like goal at the very beginning really helped me. It's like, okay, go for Africa and go for Australia. And you have a card full of Australia, play your Australia. And the way that that game, and I don't think enough Euro games do this, and I really appreciate that Ark Nova did this, the entry point felt a lot more like low barrier. Once I got through everything and I grokked everything, I actually ended up winning. I actually ended up doing, doing really well. Uh, it was a bunch of new players, so it was like kind of low. I probably would have gotten smoked by experienced player. <laughs> but it was nice to be able to like understand what was going on. I, I was like, this big old complicated, you have like 40 minutes to teach, managed to come together in a way that made sense. Okay, I'm it. I'm I'm cool. My I guess my, um, my in terms of trends in the hobby, like it just feels like the 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 new hotness games are just like pushing up that level of complexity, you know. So like five, you know, we have the the you know your Terraforming Mars was like a complex game, and then you push it up a little bit, then we get to Arkham, which is a which is a more complex game than Terraforming Mars. Uh, so I mean, obviously, we're we're, we're looking. If you're looking at different ends of the hobby, it's different. But in terms of the games that are like the BGG crowd is talking about, the, the Facebook crowd is talking, you know, the real like gamers, it feels like that right. complexity window is getting pushed up and up and up. And so I don't know where that's gonna go. But that's that's my one kind of like regret. It's like, oh man, I wish that could have. I wish I could have had that experience in a a little bit low, of a lower bear um, gate of entry. But I did enjoy it. That's a, I did enjoy Ark Nova. I do want to play it more. Sure. I mean, speaking of to the trends, I, I think we see some market correction. You know, the 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 really buzzed about games also include ones that are far simpler. Right. Um, and and you'll often hear when you know the really hot buzzed about games tend to be more complex. Then you'll start to hear people saying, "What I really want is something that's not going to take me three hours to play, and I really mm -hmm. want something that's only going to be an hour, hour and a half." And then they start gravitating towards some simpler splendor style games um, we'll that are that one. are quicker. Number one, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, so that you know, I, I think we'll we'll see if if we are, you're getting that sense that things are pushing into the more complex, longer games, heading into the Vital Lacerda category. There's also going to be a force that's pushing the other right. direction and heading into Cascadia uh, or or something that's that's a little easier to enter. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that was my number two. Your number one favorite experience of the con. Number one is going to come. It better not have to... been Transformers. I would have. <laughs> it's not Transformers. Um, and, and this will come to no surprise that anyone who's heard me speak about board games ever in the last mm. ten years or so. Uh, so one great thing about conventions is that sometimes someone will put together an epic version of a game. Mm -hmm. uh, they that they've built or they've 
put together multiple copies of something and, and they're doing a version of the game that could only be done at a convention. And uh, my friend Keith Corbino built his own copy of Merchant of Venus. Mm. This is the 1980s pickup and deliver in space. My number one game of all time. Still? Keith, like Still? Still. To still. This okay. To this day, it's my number one game. And uh, he built out of foam core and plaster of Paris and uh, and styrofoam balls made a giant fabric, uh, made this giant two table spanning uh, Merchant of Venus board. It, it sort of felt like a, uh, a war room map, like we should have had the little croupier <laughs> sticks to push our pieces around. It felt like that. And so not only wow. did we get to play with these epic components, um, he had like sh space shuttle models that were our various ships. They were, you know, it, for those of you who were able to watch the video, like the ship was this big. Um, Eric is holding his hands in the size of a human head. Like, like so the size of a grapefruit. Um, mm -hmm. And and so not only did we get to play with this epic mm -hmm. uh, edition of the game, which was fantastic, but also I got to play with people who almost to a, a player knew how to play the game. Ooh. And so important. I wasn't, I think I did a little bit of reviewing for a couple of the players who hadn't played in a while, but most of us were like, yeah, we know what we're doing. Let's do this. And it usually I'm teaching to new players every time I play this game. So to get to play with some more experienced folks on this giant epic version that felt like we're standing over a galactic war room uh, and, and play a game of Merchant of Venus, it was an epic experience and i was delighted to get to play it I'm always so a blast i'm so I'm happy, happy for you, you i because I, I remember listening to the dice tower podcast I, I think i got into board games around 2012 13 14 somewhere around okay. there yep, and yep. you the gate ray right i think you had joined the dice tower podcast at that point or somewhere around there 2009 was when i joined as a co-host mm -hmm. so i there would always be rankings every single year of like favorite games and stuff and I remember at that point hearing you say Merchants of Venus my number one, then Tom would give you guff and you'd be like, nope, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and here we are, 2022. The, you know, the clocks never die. Pandemic over here is my favorite game. I don't know if that will change. I would love to play a... I was actually gonna not satisfy with like the 10th anniversary one because it was like the, the metal and it was my... I would love to play like a big version. Right, you know, a multi-table, yep. like, you know, let's go ahead and go to Calcutta. You know, that I would love that. <laughs> I've I think I've seen uh Gen Con had a like a floor model of pandemic. They they like they played in a hallway oh, and they had people walking around. So you had to be standing where your character was and walk around to the different spots. Um I, I didn't stay to watch too much of it, but it was there was a floor spanning game of pandemic going on outstanding i would love that as long as to your point as long as people know how to play and you know we're yeah. able to kind of get through stuff and i'm not just like standing there and it's okay uh, no <laughs> that'd be amazing uh so i'm very happy for you that number one merchants of venus that's great um so you mentioned my number one actually i was like oh my god he's mentioning he's reading my mind uh cascadia all right so speaking of you know so like oh my god cascadia is above, above arc nova i guess that that speaks to what i'm looking for in gaming nowadays so I went through my phase where I, you, you see my, like I have Arnak and Dune and, you know, all these games. Like I, I, I enjoy them. And I guess a couple of years ago, I, I probably would have been an Ark Nova, but for now I'm in a different phase of my gaming life. I, I want to be able to just get something to the table and let, let it run smooth as silk 
and have nice, simple decision spaces. And like, I hadn't played it in about a year or, or whatever it did a couple of months, but it took 20 seconds to pick the rules back up, but to dive in and get that rich uh, decision space uh, yeah. to, you know, to, to have the, the different cards uh, looking at, okay, what do I want to go for first? Ooh, there's a couple of elk out there. I'm going to go ahead and make the circle with the elk. And, and you know, I see that other people are going for their foxes or they're going for their bears and whatever people have decided to go for, you react to it. And it's a lot. Uh, Cascadia gave me, and I, I, mean, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn or be overstating or anything, but I, I you know, being in the solo co-op space, it's either giant honking adventure games like, you know, the World Turn to Dark Tower would be a good example. Like, you know, the Kickstarters, yep. the mods, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's either that or like the big solo Euro. So, you know, the the the, the Ark Nova's big solo Euro and the, the Lacerda games and the Uwe games and like the big honking ones. And to have a game like Cascadia, which does have a solo mode, um, which is funny to play a solo, to play the multiplayer game after you're used to the solo. It's like, oh, that doesn't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... It just and it's like a it's like what a thirty dollar game, and it, and it's beautiful and it's the decision tree is rich. I could play that game forever, and I it was one of those games that I played like in between, you know. So I was, I, my game had wrapped up and I met up with a couple of people and one of the persons I, I sold the game to, and we're looking at the um the, the checkout like what do we want to play? Ooh, Cascadia, bam! Oh, yeah. I love Cascadia. So I, I it, it just gives me a lot of hope that I just I I really would love designers to like, okay, that's that, that, yeah. do that, yeah, yeah. do that. that. That is awesome. So that, that, getting that a, a rewarding experience into say a 90 minute, 60 to 90 minute playtime is, is really a nice place to be. And without like a lot of, you know, it, it, I mean, so some people like to explode their brains, like I, I you know easy decisions, easy, but rich decisions. You know, the, the, there was no, there's no friction in that yeah. game at all for me. I'm, I'm never confused about a rule. I'm never confused about like, oh, well, this is this is a missed thing. And uh, there's no friction. I dive right in yeah. to Cascadia. It's I think um, Flamecraft might be one that that hits that for you. It's about that playtime. I brought it with me to Falcon, but it didn't actually hit the table. It's like mm -hmm. the one thing I brought that we did not play physically there. But I've played it a few times before Falcon. And uh, it's it's a lovely game, well-produced, and it has that sort of good momentum it's done in about 60 to 90 minutes mm -hmm. and and has that rewarding decision space uh when you're all done with it so it might be one worth looking at if that's I requested your it from lucky duck games they sent out their little email they say oh do you want to review flame blast I'm like yes i want to review flame blast and i didn't come on <laughs> i wasn't willing to wait i paid for it <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, so that was the games that we enjoyed uh, at the convention. That is a convention that it runs every single year. Uh, it runs twice a year. So like twice a year, look. we should have a con con in March. So that that's something to look forward to. Are you tied into the organizers? Uh, I, I know the, the, the gentleman who runs the board game side of things uh, named Mark. I, mm -hmm. I uh, have known him for many years. I was in he was in my gaming group before I knew him as the con con guy. Mm. Uh, so I, yeah, I've, I've had a, a, a relationship with him for a while. And like, so, cause I know that the, the, the venue had to change uh, because yes. it's now, you know, COVID changed a lot of things. So like, you know, now it is not a hotel anymore. Now it's like some sort of kind of thing. Uh, so that's all like, so, so we're looking to get back that plug back in ConCon, Falcon is like, we'll first in ahead. I think that's the plan is uh, although they're, they're still, 
there's growing pains when you're dealing with a new uh, space. I mean, we had like a really great relationship with a hotel in Stamford, Connecticut, uh, and they knew all their people and they just had it ran like clockwork. And now having to change to a different city now in Waterbury um, and a different hotel with different you know, venue and event coordinators and, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of learning the ropes again. Uh, there, there are certainly things to work on uh, for, for the next time they run it, but they're, they learn stuff and they're looking forward to improving and, and we'll see if it's even in the same venue uh, for, for the next, next go around. Uh, but it's a, uh, it's back, which is really the most important thing. Local conventions recommend Local conventions recommend to sell games and buy games, recommend oh, yes. to play games, recommend if you want to you know, get involved in some of the leadership and, and you know, it, or even if it's just like, you know, presenting stuff or if you want to try to get, you know, more into the logistical side of things. Local cons recommend. Not everybody can go to Essen, people. <laughs> yes. And it's a great way to, you know, you see some people who would never even dream of going to the major conventions. It's just, yeah, I want to do my local stuff. And, you know, and some people who haven't even heard of, some of the games that have been out for a year or two right. um, are, are happy to learn them in these situations. It's a great way to spread the love of the hobby is at the local cons. And so where are the people, where can the people find you? Uh, me, you'll find me on the Dice Tower channel. My my current show with Mr. Tom Vassell is called At the Table with Tom and Eric. Jason, you were kind enough to join us as a guest on one of those that episodes. That's fantastic. I love that. Uh, that's a combo YouTube show and a podcast floating around. And I also do um, the, it's a series of video reviews, short video reviews called Summerer Time. Mm. My uh, next one that I'm working on right now is on clue giving games that use words as clues. I did one with visual clues uh, not too long ago. And and if you want to just hear me talk to you uh, and want to pay pay to hear me talk a lot, uh, I'm on Audible. Uh, search me up as mm-hmm. Eric Michael Summerer. I've got over 350 audiobooks out there. Uh, and so some genre should should be of interest if you want to buy one of my books. Eric Michael Summerer, it was a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, it was a joy. Uh, great, to, great to see you Inside at Falcon. And always great to talk to you, Jason. (laughs) If you can change your mind, you can change the world, people. So until next time, later, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. Or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list.